Fill Your Cup First is a podcast that bridges a gap between what we know about how important self-care is and practicing it in our real lives. Hosted by Amy Hoke and Kimberly Robago, both busy moms and businesswomen with a background in social work. Fill Your Cup First creates a space for women to move self-care out of the good idea for everyone else category to the great idea for me category and to do it with guilt-free confidence. Welcome to Fill Your Cup First, the podcast that puts self-care where it belongs, at the top of your priority list. We're your host, Amy Hoke and Kimberly Robago, and we're so happy you're here with us today. We are so excited about our guest having Kelsey Smith on today. Um, Kelsey's a young breast cancer survivor who has turned her pain into purpose by starting a video podcast for fellow young survivors called the Can Survivor Network with Kelsey Smith. Each week, she interviews guests who are in breast cancer arena with about various initiatives. She has interviewed top surgeons, entrepreneurs, and even people who have helped her recover during her treatment. As Kelsey grows the Can Survivor Network, she has served as a marketing consultant, a patient advocate for the University of Michigan, a support group facilitator, and a caregiver for her grandfather. So we would like to welcome Kelsey to our podcast today. Hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for being here with us today. We're so excited. I am so thankful to be here. So it's nice to be on the other side. <laughs> yeah. Yes. What's, what's really awesome is a few months ago, I was um, a guest on Kelsey's podcast, which was a lot of fun talking about my work in financial navigation and the cancer program that I work in. So we're so excited to have her on today. Mm-hmm. Welcome, Kelsey. Thank you. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> we would love for you to share uh, your story. And, you know, we also want to talk a little bit about your self-care before and after diagnosis and all of the amazing things you're doing in the Can Survivor Network and your consultancy. So we would just love you to share a little bit about yourself. Sure, sure. So yeah, so as you mentioned, I am a young breast cancer survivor. Um, In regards to self-care, my self-care back before diagnosis, it was just really, um, I feel like it was so much rooted in the approval of others uh, before, whereas now since diagnosis, I've made some seriously, um, you know, big changes in my life. So basically what happened was I was at the age of 29, I was working a marketing position. I was finally in the position that didn't make me question if I had purpose. And I had gone for a long time um, through my career trying to figure out like, what was it that I was meant to do? And I would pressure myself about it quite a bit. And I remember eight days after getting Um, hired into this company and I really thought like, okay, this is my, this is going to be my track. It's going to be great. I was getting, um, I had found a lump in my breast and I found the lump because I was, uh, after getting out of the shower, I had really, really dry skin from taking a certain medication and I had, uh, I was putting lotion actually on my nipples. They were really dried out 
And suddenly that was when I felt the lump. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh my gosh, it's cancer, you know? And at first I I said, no, you know, I I had to talk myself like, you know, down, like, it's just crazy. Don't be so dramatic, da, 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 da. And it took actually two months after I found the lump to actually go get tested because I was working like crazy. Like I was working 40 hour days, but you know, so I, I, you would think I would have had time, but during the day it was just nonstop. So it was always when the doctor's offices were open and I just didn't make that time for myself. But Mm -hmm. then finally, when things calmed down, um, my body, it actually, like I got, I got the flu twice it was really bizarre. And I remember going to urgent care. We were trying to figure out what it was. And I remember getting tested for mono uh, one time when I had gone and I was thinking, oh my gosh, if I have mono, this is going to be horrible because how am I going to go to work and all this stuff? Well, then, you know, I didn't tie in me getting the flu to the breast cancer or anything at all. So I, um, so once I had gotten better, I had remembered that I had this lump I wanted to check out, started to get it looked at. And, um, you know, when they find a lump, what they do is they start out by giving you, um, a, they give you a mammogram as well as an ultrasound. So they, they do it that way. And then they basically told me like, well, we don't think it's a cyst. We're going to have to give you a needle biopsy. So that was what I did. And that was really painful. And uh, about 11, 12 days later, uh, I got that call that I indeed had breast cancer. So at that point, uh, you know, that was November 11th of 2014. And I was just a few months shy of turning 30. And I knew, right, I didn't know what stage I was for like two days. And then when I went to the, when I went to the, uh, the general surgeon's office two days later, you know, I found out I was at stage two. And I, at that point I decided I, I was, I, I told myself like, get, get, get these off me. Like, I just want mm-hmm. to get a double mastectomy and then I'll, I'll reconstruct because, you know, I wanted to have something there. I didn't want to go completely flat. So that's what I did. So I ended up having a double mastectomy on a Tuesday. And then by that Monday I was laptop on, on my lap, you know, working. Yeah. Wow. And so I really was not any sort of pillar or anybody you would want to interview about self-care <laughs> uh, for a long time because I was so rooted in pleasing other people. Mm-hmm. And it took all, until um, when I couldn't offer things to other people anymore because I was just too tired or mm-hmm. I was just too sick. And, you know, and it was this so much of what I did was just people pleasing. I did mm-hmm. it for so long and it took, um, all the way until, you know, I, I went through treatment. I went really aggressive, obviously with my treatment, not only through double mastectomy, but I got the most chemo I could possibly get. Yeah. So yeah. that was, um, that was about 20 weeks of chemotherapy, about 16 treatments with 20 rounds total. And, uh, I basically fell apart after treatment was over. Uh, you know, because after you, you, you know, when you're in treatment, you're going about four days a week. So you think your Mm -hmm. self-care is on lock, you know, because you're going to all these doctor's appointments and you're committing. Yeah. I was, I was working full-time and I was going to all these appointments. Like I just don't even know how I did it all. Um, but it, but basically it caught up to me mentally. And, um, I remember it was just like, it was one thing after another that started happening. And that was about 2015, around like September, uh, my father had passed away. And then I, that set me on a whole, you know, different um, healing process for that. And I ended up getting shingles shortly afterwards. Mm. And then I, you know, heal from shingles and I get another surgery to complete my reconstruction process. 
two weeks later, it turns out my the apartment complex I had just moved into had a bed bug problem. So, oh, oh my gosh. Oh my god. Yeah, it was crazy. It was just like boom, boom, boom. Like all these things were going, and then I couldn't hold on to my job anymore because mentally I was just gone. Yeah. Like I yeah. just I was overwhelmed. I was just taxed uh, by everything and it basically led to like a, a really deep depression that didn't quite lift until like, I, I'm not even kidding, like early this year. I mean, it's just like a really long time to, to you know, not feel like you are at your best. Mm-hmm. And I just remember, um, you know, moving back to near my hometown and I had gotten a job and I thought, okay, I'm, I'm starting over again. And the job didn't work out and my housing was wrapped up in it as well mm-hmm. as my vehicle. And two days after I get fired, my grandmother passes away. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. So I moved in with my grandfather and I began caregiving for him. And, um, you know, I, I still, for, you know, a long time, I was still grasping to who I was beforehand, because when you get something like a breast cancer diagnosis, you definitely, you know, look back and, and regret to some extent of like, why didn't I seize this opportunity? Why didn't I do that? You know, what held me back from this and, and whatnot? And it, it just, for me, it just, um, for a while I was beating myself up about my previous choices and, you know, how I wasn't mm-hmm. really taking care of myself and how I was pleasing all these other people. And then I decided to go into business for, for myself. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that was definitely, um, a whole new lesson in self-care for sure. So starting in, uh, 2018 of July, uh, I had started, I started a podcast as a form of self-expression, which I feel is like a really, really necessary component to, to self-care is expression. Mm-hmm. And so it was, uh, it was turned into a podcast. And since it has grown, I've become a marketing consultant. I've been a patient advocate and, um, I, I caregive for my, my grandfather to this day. I live with him and I, and I help take care of him. And it's definitely all about balance. And I have certainly discovered that, you know, there's, there's definitely better solutions out there. And it's, um, yeah, it's just, it's, self-care has to be unlocked when you're doing a job like this because Mm -hmm. you are responsible for so much and I'll definitely get into that um later but it's 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 definitely a crucial component to basically keeping it all together Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. um I really love the part that you are now caregiving for your grandfather because I think that is such a um compassionate an empathetic place to be, you know, you couldn't find it in, in your space that you were in to care for yourself, yet you were able to care for somebody who, I'm guessing that the grandmother was his wife. Yes. Who had just lost his wife and somebody that you cared about and you were able to step into that role even regardless of what everything that you were doing. So, um, you know, what you were going through. Um, that's just, you know, such a testament to, I guess, the type of person that you are um, you know, th- just thinking of him and how vulnerable he was at that time. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it was a big adjustment for us. And, uh, I mean, I, one thing I learned was like, for example, he really likes things his way and in certain places. So, you know, something as little as, as putting the, the slicer into the wrong drawer, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, and you learn these things when you move in with somebody and yeah, I mean, it's just caregiving his, you know, completely, changed um you know our our relationship for the better I mean it's not like we had we had a great relationship to start but I mean this just added a whole nother layer Mm -hmm. to it 
And, um, yeah, I learned like, because I was, you know, I was caregiving for him and I was working full time initially when I had first moved in and, um, it, yeah, it was, it was, it's a, it's a lot of work. It's mm-hmm. definitely a lot of work, but yeah, I just could not see him living in a home or, or something like that when, you know, I'm, I'm here and I'm able-bodied and I could just, you know, I could be, maybe get out of my own head a little bit with mm-hmm. some of the, you know, post cancer, you know, woes that I have now. And it kind of got me, you know, out of that into, you know, into basically caring, caring for him. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I just learned that I could still, you know, provide service and, you know, still receive love and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of doing the right thing. I think doing the right thing is just really important. Mm -hmm. And you talked about like, from diagnosis, um, getting right back into working and that, you know, it, it took a while to get to that balance, but I think self-care is a journey and we do Mm -hmm. tend to beat ourselves up. Like, why didn't I do this? Why am I not saying no to this commitment? And now I'm overextended again. And so we do tend to beat ourselves up and it's good to find that forgiveness and think of it like, doing it in steps because if you and Mm -hmm. you know I've been there where you're trying to please everybody else if you have that type you know that's something that you do often you need to kind of start small and build on that because it's new you know it's so new to put the focus on you and not everyone else so starting out in increments and kind of sitting with it like all right I just said no to that commitment and I'm good, you know, like I, this feels good and I'm going to practice this again. Yeah. That assessment is so critical because when you are starting a self-care routine and really trying to incorporate it, you have to look at the time that you're spending and, and what it is and why you are spending that particular bit of time doing this particular thing or that thing. There's so much mindfulness that's involved in self-care. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I like that you said mindfulness um, because sometimes people think mindfulness is equated to they have to meditate and sometimes meditate scares people a little bit. But the mindfulness is really even that can be done in five minutes just to be mindful of the food that you're that you're eating at that moment, how you're nourishing your body, what you're doing in that moment. Mm hmm. That's a big one. Like even like I wanted to bring that up about before, you know, before diagnosis, I felt like my self-care was eating 1200 calories a day. For example, my Mm -hmm. self-care was only, you know, eating this type of food and, uh, you know, being the person that overall ate well, you know, ate, you know, tried to eat a variety of foods. Um, but I was, an over-exerciser, kind of an under-eater, um, switching that mind frame from like, how many calories am I consuming versus like, what are the nutrients that are in, you know, what's, what's in an orange? What is it that I'm eating? And that mindfulness and, and eating in a more nutrient, you know, oriented position as opposed to like, I, I realized one thing um, that I would do um, is either, you know, I, I'm not an emotional eater, but I will starve sometimes. Like I'll mm-hmm. just, you know, get super stressed out and forget. Mm-hmm. And like, just even recognizing that and being mindful of like, okay, if I'm stressed out, I'm, I'm not eating, which if I'm not eating, that means no energy. Mm-hmm. That means that I'm going to crash. 
oh no, what are we going to do? You know, so I'm going to eat this that has fiber in it or has carbs so that my brain can kind of wake up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a whole reacquainting, um, you know, what food, who you spend time with, what yeah. you're doing, you know, and, and, you know, how your actions impact people around you. It, it's self-care is all of that. It, you know, self-care, it just, it affects everybody. It really does. Yeah. Because if you're not really honoring yourself, then you're going to try to find it outside of yourself and having it contingent on other people and their thoughts and their opinions is just very, very unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You mentioned that in a recent blog that you wrote um, on your website about answering less to them and more yes to me, you know, and yes. I love that. It's, it's it really the time and practicing saying no to others and yes to yourself is at the core of any self-care practice, whether it's taking a walk or focusing on our food or just, you know, taking some time off and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, your morning meditation, but having that time is really the first step to doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. And so we talked about mindfulness and the, it's really kind of like a check-in with yourself, like a pause. And as you're taking care of yourself and then taking care of your community and getting all this wonderful information out to your community and then Mm -hmm. you're taking care of your grandfather it's those little pauses throughout the day that you're checking in with yourself Mm -hmm. so I love the idea of using mindfulness Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I I think that I read on your um on your blog that you had uh, mentioned that um shifting from the fear and worry into a, a take action and so um would you say that your um the can survivor network is that is your taking action is that your action yeah i would definitely say so i mean for you know when it started it started out as just a blog to keep everybody updated on what was going on with my treatment and you know i think about the the landscape socially that we were in at, around the time of 2000 you know 14 2015 where you know we were shifting outside of you know we had blogs and people were you know writing these things and it was all about like what is it that you're doing for your community, you know, and as a, and at the time going through treatment, I hated asking people for help. That was, that was who I was before. <laughs> I hated it. And so to like ask, like, so, so somebody set up a GoFundMe for me, um, because I was like, oh no, I'm, I'm working full time. I'm going to be able to, you know, handle it. And I had good insurance. I had, I actually had Medicaid at the time. So I was like, well, I have Medicaid and you know, I'm working full time and it's all going to be fine. But you know, I still did a t-shirt fundraiser to, to help, which I mean, it paid for my PET scan, which was wonderful. It was what I needed. So, you know, yeah, it's like a part of, part of self-care is being okay with asking others because, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're not practicing self-care, you're thinking that you can do everything yourself, for example. And that's just not, it's not true because we all are interdependent on one another. We we're here to connect with, with each other. Um, so, you know, with, with that, there's, you know, when I think about the the blog itself, it's like, it, it started out as a blog and then after a while, I kind of like, I just deaded it because I didn't want, the reason why I did was because I knew that the, the, the night that my, my, my father passed away, we were not talking at the time, by the way. So we didn't have mm-hmm. a relationship, but, but, 
Um, you know, I can say now, I think in this, you know, I feel like I have his spirit with me at times, um, which is just really wild. I never thought that that was ever going to be the case, but, um, basically like I realized like once the, the, the show, if you will, was over, um, you know, I wasn't going to chemo every week and I, you know, was starting to have the, the hair growing back and, you know, all these things. I, I put a lot of pressure on myself to like be who I was beforehand. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to like run all the time. Like I was jogging like crazy, like literally like running like around my neighborhood. It'd be like a hundred degrees out because I was out in Phoenix and I would still be running and, you know, think I'm going to get back into who I was beforehand and all this. And, um, I just realized like, oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm, I'm different. I'm, something has changed in me. And even like my relationships with my friends have changed too. And, sure. um, just, you know, and I felt like I, I became a patient suddenly and I was just a patient to everybody. And I, my whole life, like, I just felt like my life was kind of stripped away because of cancer. And so I became really resentful about it for a while. And I, I became resentful, um, to people who didn't show up and, you know, I mean, there was just like all these kinds of things that I just felt so much anger and resentment over. And, and just the fact that I got cancer in the first place, because I thought I did everything right. So, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't matter how much, you know, you can, you know, it's great to, to drink your green juices, please do that. But, you know, also keep in mind, it's not going to keep your cancer away. It's just not how it works. Um, either you're going to get it or you don't. So it took a long time for me to realize that too, because I was blaming myself for getting cancer. Mm. So that was another aspect of it. So pretty much, like you know my my dark night of the soul that I went through for a long time it was built in a lot of resistance of trying to you know hang on to that person that I was before diagnosis but I I just didn't know that there was going to be this like new way awesome person like waiting for me in the future um because that's that's a that's a part that's a result of you know incorporating these kinds of things is by um you know, being there, it's just in taking the action. So, you know, for a while it was dead. And I was, I was basically trying to assess. I think I just went into like assessment mode of like, okay, what's working and what's not working mm-hmm. in the pod. And, and, you know, I had recorded, it's funny because I recorded an episode of the podcast in like 2016, like in my apartment and I was gonna, you know, and I might release it, but like this was 2016 and I just didn't see it all the mm-hmm. way through. So I just recorded one episode and I just had decided I wasn't ready. So in 2018, I remember, um, the beginning of the year, like I, I knew I wasn't happy with like where I was in my life. I didn't, um, I, I was back working this, this job at this, this corporation. I was just like, no, like I, you know, it just kind of sucked the soul out of me a little bit. And I was like, okay, Cal's like, you've got to do, you know, something with, whatever dreams you have. Like I started saying like, okay, it's okay to dream. It's okay to dream. And I, I thought to myself, I'm like, I'm starting a podcast either on music or on breast cancer. Like that was all I knew. And around that time I went out to the young survival coalitions, uh, yearly summit. And when I was there, that was when it hit me that there were all these people who had turned like, they, they had come, they had come to the summit because they were in some pain. And that's a lot of the times what brings them to, you know, connecting with other cancer survivors. Mm-hmm. I was going through some similar pain. I kind of felt like, like I was trying to, you know, hold on to the same person I was before, but yet like I wasn't enjoying myself doing the things that I was doing before. Mm-hmm. And then I was like looking at my friendships and I'm like, okay, like this isn't really working out or like I've changed since, you know, before I left. And 
So it was like, you know, coming back to my hometown eight years later was, you know, in itself, just like, yeah. it was just a trip. So, so basically like I get back and, uh, from this, from this, the summit and I say to myself, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to show what's actually out there in the breast cancer community. You know, I mean, we hear about the Comans and we hear about breast cancer all day, but we don't ever talk about the products. We don't ever talk about the, you know, people who start businesses against all odds or, you know, whatever it is. And, and you know, they, it's part, like, for instance, the woman, one of my favorite brands is King Perfects and they have, they sell prosthetic nipples and they're customizable and they're so realistic. And yeah. it was born out of the fact that she wanted to have nipples and she couldn't get surgery. and. She's like, well, what can I do? And she started making them herself. And now she just sells these beautiful custom nipples. So it's wow. like things like that, like things that, that people don't know about. So it, you know, through showcasing the talents of other people, um, you know, I'm able to help them shine and I'm able to create these mutually beneficial relationships between mm -hmm. the consumer and the entrepreneur and people know, actually know where the dollars are going and mm -hmm. what their, their pink dollars, you know, if you will, where they're, where they're going towards. So yeah, mm -hmm. I promote, like now I promote pinkpreneurs too. So yeah. it's just, great. it's just an awesome way to take, right. a breath, I love you know, that. take I your pain that. and turn it into purpose. Yeah. And bringing the resources to everyone listening, you know, that's so important yes. because you don't know where to start, you know, whether it's right at the time of diagnosis or even like you said, that journey of trying to get back to who you were. Well, things are different and it's finding who you are now, like the new you. And, um, you know, people are on a journey with their diagnosis for a while. Like you also mentioned yeah. in one of your blogs, somebody said, speed up the grieving process. So that's, you know, that's again, the opinion of someone else, but you know, there's a, there's a lot of different needs across time after mm -hmm. diagnosis. And mm -hmm. it's just so awesome that you're bringing, like you said, all these entrepreneurs that have found their purpose, pinkpreneurs, yep. but then the that people that are in the kind of spot in their journey that need to hear that, you know, mm -hmm. whatever yes. their resource because, is. Because, you know, a lot of, a lot of the times your loved ones want it to be over yeah, because yeah. it's so scary to go through treatment and yeah. they're just like, bypass this, get through it. And they, they want to push you forward. And it's like, no, and, and we, you know, because we're young, we think like, okay, we can bounce back. No problem. Yeah. You know, we still have our whole lives to live. So that's how people see it. But for us, we're like, oh my gosh, we know that one out of three early stages turns into metastatic breast cancer. That's like the stat. That's another stat that people don't talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was stage two, I had one lymph node involved and my chances for it coming back were literally 50, 50. So I, you know, did everything that I could, but now that I know people, I'm, tied into the community, I know the reality and I, and I can now attach, you know, I can even now that we have the data, I can attach the stories and, and the soul yeah. to the data yeah. and mm -hmm. show like, well, this is what happened with this person. This is what happened with that person. Because I think one thing is people, you know, who, who go through this, they don't realize that they have quite the story that needs to yeah, be shared yeah, regardless yeah. of, you know, whether they were married or not, you know, whether they're her two or not, whether they were early stage or they were de novo, which de novo is just an initial stage four diagnosis. Like it's in your body, you know, that's the, and so there's, um, I don't know. It just, it just taught like 
it, it just like all that kind of stuff. It's like, it made, it made me feel like, like once I started getting into this and really becoming an advocate and learning about, you know, um, this, the, the real stats behind breast cancer, what this means, what that means. Um, you know, I just noticed that by even talking about these things, like it's a guiding light for other people mm-hmm. who, you know, are going to get that diagnosis because unfortunately, you know, it's, we're, we're one out of eight, a lifetime risk as of right now. Um, but yeah, so you just, you try to just help them the way that you would have hoped that someone else was helping you along the way. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And it's, and it is about the connection. It's about the story and how it connects um, you to that person, even if your story's not the exact same, there's something that's going to connect you together. Yeah, and, 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 and yeah, and like a lot of people, you know, say like, oh, my, my, you know, my, my dad or this person or that, you know, my, my, my aunt, they're comparing me to somebody else or, you know, they're telling me to, to speed up or whatever it is. And yeah, I think so much of it is just being okay with your, your own grieving process and, yep. and taking your time as opposed to it being in someone else's timeline, you Absolutely. know? So I really want to yeah. promote that within the community that, you know, this is, this is something very, very serious. Um, you know, it's, it's literally like designed to kill you. That's what cancer does. And you have every right to be as scared as you want for as long as you mm-hmm. want. But, you know, the, the knowing the numbers as best as you can and just making the most out of it is what you do instead of being paralyzed in mm-hmm. fear. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that in itself is self-care. You know, yes. knowing that and, and, and not really being okay with it, but knowing that you're going to move forward. Like somehow you're going to move forward. And with people like you out there, Kelsey, that's going to help them with the resources and help just, you know, shed a light on what's, mm-hmm. what's needed and what's available is so important because it's sometimes so important. they feel like they're in the middle of the ocean and they just don't know which way to swim. Yeah. It, it's so, it's so true because there are, there is no one way that yeah. a person is diagnosed. There is no one way that a patient does a meeting before they opt for surgery. Like everybody has a different process and everybody has different stages. So it's kind of like now I, I just see so many opportunities and especially having business acumen and, and being, you know, coming from, I had an organizational development and management background project, you know, I was a project manager. I um, went and got my master's degree at the age of 26. So, you know, from a business standpoint, kind of coming into this arena and seeing that there is something here, we actually have a market mm-hmm. and just even putting so many names to, to, you know, between the business and the emotional side of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, what do you like for even like right now, it's like, well, what do you call patients that are stage four, for example, you know, you don't call them survivors because they technically haven't, you know, had it and then not had it anymore. Right. So mm-hmm. it's like, even all of these things are, you know, need to be built. So because of all this work that I've done, um, I've been able to clear the way to find these opportunities and, and see these things. And then, you know, bring awareness and attention to it and then watch people go to work because people want to help. People want to know how to, you know, how to do this and how to do that. And um, they, they want to know what they can do. And what's and one thing that's even happened with the podcast that's been super awesome is that it has actually fostered more connection among other fellow breast cancer survivors who are, for instance, like starting businesses. And mm-hmm. one person may have experience with the manufacturing and the other person may need that experience that she has this experience in this marketing. So they can kind of barter and, and share oh, yeah. and it's, it's really cool. And there's, 
there hasn't been a place for that even until until now. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, the, the, the great thing about having your routine, deciphering what it is, you know, deciphering where you're wasting your time and then making plans to just, you know, get those time vampires out to <laughs> then, yeah. you know, having those openings and seeing how you're going to fill those openings up, you know, with balance, of course, because that's another part of it. Once, once the landscape clears and you're like, great, I have this room to take care of this cause or this thing. The ideas start coming. Like for me, it's like just boom, 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 constantly ideas. And I used to question those ideas. I used to suppress those ideas when I wasn't really taking good care of myself. And cause, cause self-care is also self-acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. now that I'm, you know, acknowledging my, my, my talents and I'm just writing my ideas down and putting them on a back burner, then you know, you might never know three weeks later, I can utilize it in some realm. Absolutely. So it comes yeah. back. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I used to um, work for a cancer support community and we had a big journaling program because just writing it out, your ideas, your emotions, whatever that was, seeing it on paper. And like you said, you might not read it right away, but just knowing that it's there when you need to read it. And that's yes. the same like with the ideas because you don't want to lose those in your daily, yeah, in your daily flow, because they could be the key to somebody or something that you're going to yes. do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And like, that's writing's a form of self-care. <laughs> yeah. All those feelings, all yeah. those feelings and all those emotions are coming in because it's trying to tell you something for sure. You know, if you yeah. are often anxious about, you know, for instance, like, like, uh, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're anxious about work, like, okay, well, you know, what is it about that anxiety? Where is it coming from? Is it like an interpersonal relationship that's at work or is it really something that's tied into your actual day to day? You know, Mm -hmm. like I noticed I had like the the last job I did, I was not talking with people at all. Like I was pretty much like in a spreadsheet and, uh, you know, spreadsheets rather. And I was in different databases and I was in different programs and I learned because I was working on my self care oh my gosh, I, I hate to be quiet all day. I hate, <laughs> I hate to, you mm-hmm. know, not express and have to, you know, just work with numbers all day. Like, mm-hmm. oh no, you know, this isn't me. So, you know, it was like when, when the contract was ended with my last position, it was kind of like a good riddance, you know, mm-hmm. like, thank goodness. Like, I guess yeah. the universe was ready for me to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it was, it was scary, but yeah, like, um, you know, listen to those things when you, you know, you've got that anxiety or, you know, this uncertainty, like really take the time now to listen and write it out because yeah. it does help to get it out on paper. And you're not alone. Like there are so many people that go through all these emotions and this is why we're, you know, you guys started this podcast, obviously. And, um, you know, it's okay to, to look at your processes and it, constructively and, you know, find out what's working for you and what's not working for you and just start filling it up with more that works. Yeah. 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 What would you say, um, what the number one challenge you face to practicing regular self-care in your life on a day-to-day basis? The biggest challenge that I have found is that I would put way too much. Like I put way too much on my, on my plate. And as an entrepreneur, it's really easy to do that because there are so many things that you're doing. You are your social media. You are your project manager. You are, you know, you're, you're, you're doing these things. And and I have, I have the support of a CIO and a CFO, but still as an entrepreneur, I'm like, okay, I got, you know, there's this, this, and that. So what has helped me, 
um, is I just started making lists about, I'm not kidding you, everything. And <laughs> I made lists about like the foods that I liked and, and what I preferred because just taking the guesswork out of certain things, you know, mm-hmm. because that's time. Like, I think I've learned that, that, you know, there's so many ways that I think we waste time, for example. So I've, I've really tried to optimize the, the best that, that I've can, that, that I've been able to. And another, another part of that is like, if you don't get everything done on your to-do list for uh-huh. the day, do not beat yourself up about it. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. And I used to just put so much on that I would just spin out. I would completely uh-huh. spin out and it would actually turn into like, um, for me, it would start with like the inner critic. Like when I hear the nasty inner critic getting louder and louder and louder, I know something's up too. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. another yeah. part of it. Like, cause, cause, cause you know, with how things are and how, what we see, you know, online and things like that, we don't ever want to be selfish. So <laughs> we yeah. get worried about that, but we really, we really shouldn't be because, you know, it's like, instead it'll probably help to just soak in a bath for a little bit. Do, yeah. do that for yourself and, mm-hmm. you know, and allow yourself the time to, to breathe and, you know, give yourself that space. And, and, and like, there's like just some of the things on my list, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't have to get, like, I, I used to just list things. That was what I used to do. Then I started actually looking at like red yellow and green like what is something that absolutely has to get done today mm. what can you put off until like you know two weeks so that. that's what yeah. I had to do I, that was the biggest challenge was balancing it all because you know on top of that I am taking my grandfather to the grocery store you know every couple of days and that takes time you know running his errands and doing things for him so yeah it was a lot for for me the biggest challenge is just you know been trying to delegate everything and it was just, just breaking it down. And I realized like in the past couple of weeks, actually I had to do that because, um, I just had too much and mm-hmm. I have like a nice back burner list now. Oh, nice. And I like that yeah. list. Let me tell you guys, like I the like back burner list is, is what I, what I say on it is it can be done. Oh, eventually just not right now I like and putting, great and putting dates on some of them so for example like um you know I have I have a basket that I want to put together for an, a, an event that I'm going to and that's due in August I literally don't have to think about it right now mm-hmm. you know it's just like it's it's things like that but yeah so putting putting dates and, and putting some things in the back burner it's perfectly okay because yeah, I yeah. think between you know trying to keep up you know keep up this and doing that. It, it, it's just good to list it out. And then like, even like my house duties, my house duties, even, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to work on them on this day of the week, you know, but this is what I have to do. I have to, this, I, this is doing a daily, this is doing weekly, this is monthly, this is bi-monthly. This is right, <laughs> bi-annually. Yeah. I mean, really, really, really breaking it down can really help you sort out your own life, I think. And, yeah. and that, that's, that's what I did. And it helped me out tremendously. Yeah, it almost gives you like <laughs> relief, like letting mm-hmm. it, taking it off, like yes. putting it on the back burner or putting it into the traffic light, the red, yellow, and green. It, yeah, it I love relieves that. Yeah. you. Yeah. You know? Yep, I love that. Um, if you only had five minutes in your day, what kind of self care would you do? Well, it depends on how I feel. Okay, <laughs> well, that's good. So. It, it just, it really does depend. So sometimes, you know, the self-care looks like, okay, I need to step outside mm-hmm. for about a good five and just, you know, listen to the birds chirping outside, you know, and taking in the air. 
Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it is lying down, not kidding, being a cancer survivor, like my body gets really tired. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes it's just doing a bunch of nothing at all. Sometimes it's petting my cat. Um, and sometimes it's pulling, you know, even pulling weeds if I'm outside, for example. Uh So it's just, you have to, I think in that, you know, it just, it just depends on you and, um, what makes you feel really good for those, you know, it might even be just like eating like a decadent piece of cake or something, Uh you know, like my favorite, just, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) those little moments that can Uh really transform you or put on a good song even, you know, and, and, and listen and listen, that's, that's another music is just everything. So yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's, those are probably just a few of the things that I would do if I had only five minutes. Awesome. So, mm-hmm. so what's the most surprising thing you, you have ever learned about self-care? Ooh, um, the most surprising thing, um, I think I learned was how it just pays off in spades. Mm-hmm. Like it really, it's like a little investment. Yeah. And, you know, because if, you know, you are practicing the mindfulness and you are being hyper aware of what's going on, on you know, on the inside, just being really like, you know, tuned in yeah. to your own emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, it can, it can, it can, you know, really help. And I feel so bad. I just forgot the question. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. It's a surprising thing you've ever learned about self care, but that's it. That it pays. Okay. Off. Yeah. Yeah. I think you've answered it good. I think you that's awesome. That's an awesome answer. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yep. So you're doing so many great things. You and you have the podcast going, but you have amazing communities that you're building. Can you tell us a little bit more about your private group for rock stars and the Purpose from Pain Collective? Um, and you also have a great resource for people who want to monetize their podcast. Yeah. So I, um, so, and I think I, the last time I really felt like I spun out and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. And I don't even know if I should even be an entrepreneur and da, 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 da. Um, you know, I, I had built this, like, I, I knew I wanted a private group for my rock stars and the rock stars, um, are the people that have heard those three words you have cancer and so it's interesting so so in the breast cancer realm there are three categories of of people so there's pre-vivors which are people who have never been diagnosed but they test positive for some kind of genetic mutation that affects that that causes breast cancer so that's a pre-viver a survivor is to me as a person who is either actively going through treatment who you know is NED or, it, or, you know, patient is obviously the person that's going through active treatment, but then, you know, survivors, because sometimes what happens is, is like, you are automatically a survivor after they remove the lump and then they give you chemo to, to really kill the rest of the cells. And that was who, you know, so I was a survivor um, by early 2015. So I only had the cancer, you know, the cancer, they took it out within a month. So then you have the thrivers, the people who are stage four who never get out and they are, you know, they're, they're still, they're, they're going through every day and they're thriving. So, you know, in spite, in spite of being stage four, they're out there, they're living, they're doing things. So yeah, so that's the three categorizations. So pretty much um, around September, October, it took, it took a while for me to, to start a private group for just them, but I knew I wanted a place for anybody who felt like they have some really tough emotions that they have to deal with, or, you know, they feel like perhaps 
things aren't the way that they they thought that they were going to be whatever it is um you know i'm a i'm a co-facilitator for a local support group here within um, the mercy health system so i um so i i co-facilitate that so you know just just having the the patient's perspective is all i like to help people with you know Mm -hmm. we talk about uh, in the group like i'll ask about you know i'll ask a question a day and that'll usually kick off the conversation and um i like to talk about things like you know what is it that you hear that you would like to not hear anymore or you know what it like what was your biggest achievement this week you know do you do you, do you see this? Do you experience that? And it helps other, and I think it really opens up a lot of doors for women because there's a lot of uncomfortable conversations that they don't want to have out in public. And so giving them the, the space for that aspect of it has been just something where, you know, it feels good to give them a, a place to land and then also give them any kind of like insider info on, you know, podcasts or, you know, oh, anything like that, mm-hmm. that they want to know as insiders. So mm-hmm. it's a really nice community to, to cultivate, but it was like, not until I was able to kind of clear out some of the gunk, was I able to like really start paying attention to the group? Mm-hmm. Cause I had like set it up. Like I, like, I felt like, I feel like in the past year I have set certain things up where it's like, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. I feel like in the past year, I've set some things up to where it's been like, I'm going to build this foundation, that foundation, that foundation for that. And then I just kind of like been moving my way forward. But, you know, now I'm not doing that anymore. I'm more focused. And then I also started a um, a Purpose for Pain Collective because not everybody necessarily needs the emotional support, but they want the business support. Mm-hmm. So they want, you know, they want to be, become a 501c3. Well, what do they have to do? Because by state, it's a different, it, there's different parameters within mm-hmm. states. Um, there may be, a, like, for instance, like I connected two of my guests because they, you know, one has experience in manufacturing and the other person needed somebody who maybe has some expertise so that they could get connected, for example. So the, um, the, the Purpose from Pain Collective, it's, um, it's, it's a group where it's all business oriented questions so yeah i'm pretty sure we can put the you know we can put the links up in the show notes for that so those are the two groups that i um i cultivate currently on top of being you know on facebook and on instagram because instagram is a great community but just unfortunately for instagram there's not private groups and it doesn't have that kind of you know capabilities Mm -hmm. so it's a good way for me to you know show what it is that i do but then also showcase other people and the things that they're doing and you know to give updates about the podcast so um so in order you know to um to help people with the podcast for you know an example it's like okay, like, how do you monetize off of this? Yeah. And I think that that is, that's such a big question. And it took me a while. Like I'm, I'm can't even, I'm, I'm not, I haven't broken meeting yet. And that's perfectly okay because I love what I built and I love what I'm doing. So, um, so yeah. So, and I learned that there are, there's about a good seven ways that you can monetize the podcast and uh, your podcast. So, you know, something I heard yesterday I was having a chat with a friend and she, she was, she had been told by a friend who, who had been told by a coach, do not start a podcast unless you're making a hundred K a year. And I'm here to tell you, don't, <laughs> don't, don't take that advice. That's terrible advice. Do a yeah. podcast because you love it mm-hmm. and it's a passion project yeah. and know that, you know, you can actually tie in passion and make money at the same time yeah. without, you know, having to exploit anybody else or, you know, having to, it's, it's, it's so, 
um, I don't know, there's, there's wonderful ways that you could do it. And I, I want to offer your guests uh, as a token of my appreciation today, seven ways to, to monetize your podcast. Okay. Um, and, and one way that I did it, and I'll mention it here, um, so you'll want to pick it up. I started putting myself into, I, I, there's a really awesome quote, and it's by Pharrell Williams. And he says, you are that person, just put yourself in that place. Oh, I like that. Yes. Yes. So what I started doing was I started going to all of the events and all of the symposiums and all the retreats that I could um, in in the breast cancer community. So last year I had a privilege of going on two two retreats and then um, I at, at a summit um, I went to for the University of Michigan. They put on a they put on a yearly summit for breast cancer survivors. So it's about a it's it's about four hours in duration. Um, there's there's vendors there, there's guest speakers there, and there's crafts, and you know they, they do different things every year, and they also give a lot of information on what's what they know as far as the recent research in breast cancer. So as it turns out, while I'm there, and I just went there just to just to learn and just be a breast cancer survivor, and I I, I ended up going over to the table of the Rogel Cancer Center. And I met Dr. Wu there, and she was having difficulty outreaching young survivors. And I was like, wow. oh, believe me, I know where all the young survivors are at. Let me help you. Yeah. And in turn, I became a patient advocate. So it just created a, in, you know, and it took a, it took a while, like, because we were kind of going back and forth and things, but it was, it was just the work that we did this year when we went down to Austin, I know it's going to help so many mm-hmm. women when they get diagnosed because, yeah, it, it's for a reproductive study and it was just awesome to be a part of. So, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. if you are ever considering starting a podcast, like there are definitely ways to monetize it and I want to be able to help you. And yeah, I, I just, I love going to the events because you literally never know who you're going to be. And yeah. that's the true law. That's where like, you know, people are law, law of attraction, what, you know, but yeah, it really is yeah. about putting yourself in that place because you are that person. And yeah. then from there, the universe will bounce it right back to you and it'll show you, you know, the way. And even if you get rejected, like I got rejected from something recently and I, I'm so bummed about it, but I'm like, Hey, I guess it just—it's just okay because it, you know, the universe then delivered in another way, and, and yeah, it right. made room for those kinds of blessings. So, um, yeah, it can absolutely be done. You know, you just have to find for you know one one uh, another piece of advice I want to give to people who are starting a podcast: see it through. Don't just see like the very first couple of episodes, like oh, I'm going to do this. You know, you have to have like a defined plan. Like, what's the end? game do you want to get a syndication you know do you want to be Howard Stern (laughs) that you want to do um because that that'll also help you in you know ways to monetize the you know your podcast as well yeah um because there's so many there there's ways to do it but I'm I'm excited to to present my other ways to everybody today so yeah thank you so much for sharing that Mm -hmm. so we'll definitely have that link in our show notes and we're actually going to have a lot of different links um, for people to get in touch with you, listen to the Can Survivor podcast, and how. What's the best way? And we'll have all of them listed. But what is the like best way for them to reach you if somebody wanted to get in contact with you? 
Yeah, yeah. So I am pretty easy to get in touch with. Um, I am on Instagram at the Can Survivor. Mm-hmm. So it's a portmanteau of Can and Survivor. When I was naming the Can Survivor, I didn't like so much emphasis, but I saw Can Survivors. So I saw C A N C E R V I V O R, and I was like, I don't like it. So <laughs> it's been too much weight on the cancer as opposed to the survivorship. Uh, so mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. why. So the Can Survivor on Instagram, also the Can Survivor on Facebook. If you go to facebook.com slash the Can Survivor, I'm there. Um, we'll also include the um, Purpose for Pain Collective as well yeah. as the private Facebook group uh, for those. And, and obviously the private Facebook group is for those diagnosed only and you'll be asked questions beforehand. Um, and I'm on Twitter also at the Can Survivor. And you, you can also message me directly through the cancervivor.org under the contact. Mm -hmm. awesome Mm -hmm. thank you so much so much yep we have this has been an incredible time that we got to spend with you today Mm -hmm. we can't thank you enough for being on the fill your cup first podcast I know it's gonna you know your journey and your story and thank you so much for sharing all of that and all the work you're gonna you are doing and going to be doing it's gonna help so many people so It was such a privilege to have you on today. Thank you. I know, and I enjoy you are so um, positive and just creative. And uh, again, just to to echo what uh, Amy said, I'm so glad to finally meet you. I've heard so much about you. Um, And, um, you know, we'd love to connect in the future as well. So, um, you know, be well and keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> you're amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. And yeah, it's like as I'm as I'm building these things, if anybody wants to work with me one-on-one for any kind of marketing consulting or getting anything together, I'm, I'm happy to, to be of service. So thank you so much for allowing me to uh, spread my message also uh, because, you know, there, there are like, it's just, you know, there's obviously like many. We loved interviewing Kelsey. She was such a great person to talk to and such an inspiration. I really liked how she said there's no one way that a person is diagnosed. And it's so true. You can be with someone, you can you can be there alone, and even how you find, um, say it's a diagnosis of cancer, how you find it. It could be through a screening mammogram or um, you find the lump yourself. So everyone has a different way of being diagnosed. And we know that it's scary to go for your annual mammogram or go for your first mammogram. I know every year when I get mine, I get butterflies in my stomach and I get nervous on going. But you know, how about if you make uh, a day of it and bring a friend? Or uh, yeah, absolutely, make it a day out and. You know, both schedule your mammograms at the same time, same day, um, go together so you have each other. Um, Then also, like, spend the day with one another. Make it a whole day. Go to the park. Go out to grab some lunch. And it's just, you'll get it done, and you're there with a supportive person, and it makes the whole experience better. Yep. Take a selfie of the two of you or the five of you, whoever's going as a group, and um, make a day and uh, commemorate it as something that you're doing for yourself in your step to self-care. Yeah, and then share it with us 
if you don't want to share the photo with us, no big deal, <laughs> but we would love to hear that that suggestion was helpful to you and you went to get your mammogram or your colonoscopy or whatever screening test that you need to get. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fill Your Cup First. We loved spending time with you. We'll look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, remember to fill your cup first. You deserve it.